Come follow us on our journey to get a low-budget DIY feature film from script to screen and beyond. And beyond. Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> Look at yourselves, realistically, nobody's going to give you that money. Nobody. You don't know who the fuck you are. It's a complete risk. You are unknown. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warped and all. For now, you're just some pair of idiots like everyone else. £10,000 to make a feature film. I mean, how do people do that? I don't know, but I think we're probably about to find out. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Mark. Hello, Aaron. How you doing? How you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. How's it going? That's all right. I'm not too bad. That's not yep. too bad. How's things going over with there? Uh, I've seen lots of activity your end with your movie, yep. what do you, what Party. Is, what do you mean my drink in my hand? Is that what you're really talking about? I, I, was remembering, what I was realising the other day is that we used to make this podcast mainly about what booze we were drinking, and we've kind of forgotten to do that for a while, haven't we? We have. Uh, so, what, what have you got there? You've got a red, something red. It's red. It's, uh, it looks a little bit like Ribena, doesn't it? It's actually a bramble gin uh, cocktail. Ah, uh, very nice. Yeah. So, but from a can, so properly not that classic. <laughs> it, remi- it reminds you a bit Remix. of a story. It reminds you of a story that happened to me recently. I hope uh, Debbie, my other half, doesn't mind me telling this story. Yeah. But um, we went out for dinner, and you know, at, when you are mums and dads of a very young child, you know, it's very special when you go out for the evening. Yeah. And, and grandma came to babysit, and we all went out for dinner, and. You know, it always feels weird because you're not used to it. Lockdown plus having a baby, being yeah. out is a very special thing. We weren't quite sure how to act. And we went to this restaurant and they had on the table a drink that looked a little bit like that. On, and yeah. it was in a, in a lovely Moroccan kind of um, a jug. And there was little glasses out. And Debbie took a glass and started pouring it and drinking it loads. And she goes, it's very strange. It doesn't really taste of anything. Mm. And I said, well, it's, you know, it might be some kind of herbal drink. You know, it's got a color to it. I don't know what it is. And then... We were all doing cocktails and having a laugh and the waiter finally came past us about half an hour into our sit down and there he said excuse me madam how much of that have you drunk <laughs> and debbie was like what do you mean and he goes it's not for drinking it's just for show <laughs> they were like, what do you mean it's just for show you put glasses out and everything she got very very annoyed and it, apparently it's just fake show water decoration that had been out there for a week or so oh god in the jug and but the funniest thing was that debbie had got me to take a little picture of herself drinking it <laughs> like she was going to instagram it later and when i looked at the picture later on i think i nearly pissed myself yeah. <laughs> oh out of practice you see out of practice out of practice we, we don't know how to out. act in public we don't know how to act no no well what, well what are you drinking there mark it looks kind of suspiciously gin like it is gin. It is it's gin with a little bit of soda because I don't have any tonic, but it's very nice. Yeah, our, our, our standards have slipped a little bit. I think our standards have slipped. Well, a little bit. I think we should get back in the shed and do like a proper proper well, Louis. Well, that was that was the plan, wasn't it? Actually, we were going to yeah. do this podcast as a as a shed one. Now, of course, you know, basically, you restrictions has lifted. We can do anything. We could have sex. We could do <laughs> pretty much whatever <laughs> we want. Me and you. Just... Well, because we could. No, but Boris can't tell us not to do that. <laughs> not that we would because obviously we're you know we're we're uh, uh we have regular regular partners so we wouldn't go down that route uh, but it'd be nice to be back in the shed wouldn't it it'd be nice to be it back would in the shed. it well, certainly would we'll say we'll save that one but um 
So what, what's been happening in uh, in your world at the moment then, Marky Mark? What's been happening? It's been busy, busy. Lots of work and stuff. Um, yeah. Lots of kind of writing. Um, I, I, I also took a bit of a, a gamble and I, I booked us a, a quite a, a substantial, massive uh, location for Old Man. Yes, <laughs> I, I told you about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, we actually did meet in the pub and it was quite nice to kind of catch up. And you told me about this kind of throwing yourself into the deep end yeah. plan that you've got so why don't you tell our, our yeah. listeners well, it, all about it's, it it's almost that kind of self-sabotage getting a film production rolling by proxy of just yeah. doing something slightly rash but i was looking for location i, I always knew that old man because we don't have a lot of money or won't have a lot of money to make it it would always rely very strongly on whatever location we managed to lock down and i was looking because i'd rewritten the whole thing to to work for you know a coastal location in the southeast somewhere yeah instead of what the original script was about going to up to the lake district and up a huge mountain in the lakes blah 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 which is, which is actually called the old man the old man it? yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's, a, there's a fell up in up in the up in coniston called the old man and so that was the whole idea of the script and it all kind of tied in lovely with the theme of this film and but i was like well that's not it's going to doesn't seem doable maybe i can yeah. look for something simpler so having it close to, to london was the idea but then obviously like I, we discussed in earlier podcasts trying to organize a shoot uh even a small shoot in a caravan coastal seaside park as we come out of lockdown just just was throwing up even more problems than it yeah. solved so so then i started looking back into the you know locations in the lakes and then i just found this incredible collection of little uh, old stone cottages in an old cop, uh, copper mine hmm. and it's in the foothills of the old man so i i, I kind, wow. of, kind of fell in love with the place chatted to the people asked if it was possible about shooting there they seemed up for it and i just bloody went and did it and just put down a deposit but we, we you know we're not we're not there till next march so we're shooting in march there is there is definitely something to be said for creating a deadline for yourself i think yeah. um with with you know diy filmmaking i think one of the problems we all have is kind of project drift as in you got loads of ideas which one do you prioritize which one do you invest your time and your money and your efforts into and in a way nobody's there to tell you this is what you want to do this is where you're going to get it to and so in some ways you've got to almost take a kind of leap of faith haven't you and um absolutely you know i, I think what you've done is is uh you've given yourself basically something very tangible to to aim at um and and the good side of that is the big problem is often the location so mm. you know for a low budget anything one of the key things that you 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 really can't kind of skimp on is the place because if you unless you you know unless everything is in a living room or a toilet or a bedroom mm. uh generally place will do a huge amount of the work for you then obviously on top of that um you need your great cast and then crew etc but once you've got that place which is what you've sort of invested in uh then you know hopefully the other things fall into place so yeah. uh, a little bit easier that's right and then we can build on top of that like i'm, I'm yeah. currently just doing a rewrite of the script to switch it all back into yeah or fit it in now to our new location which is beautiful and it's just situated in such a beautiful part of the country and, and the yeah. buildings themselves are just so photogenic so it will really lift the film yeah. um so yeah just kind of starting to edge towards that now and we we had a little chat didn't we about the possible budget of shooting up there for a week yeah uh, 
the great thing is it's a, it's a collection of about four cottages that, that I've kind of rented the four outright. So it means it's going to be our own little film studio for a week. Amazing. Fantastic. So we're not going to worry about upsetting anyone with noise or, or you know, or disturbance yeah. of any kind. Um, but um, yeah, so then the whole, then the thing is just trying to get some money together to to do that. And I was going to ask you a bit of advice, Aaron, as mm. your, your DIY cinema cults uh, resident <laughs> Kickstarter guru now, um, you know, going down that route, because considering we are shooting in March, which seems comfortably far away, but also very uncomfortably near mm, once you start soon. thinking about what needs to be done. And when we think about Christmas being this thing in between it all and, you know. And that will soon be gone mm, and then we'll be like, yeah. shit, we've got two months until we got to shoot this. exactly yeah um so when do you think if we were to do a kickstarter or a similar mm. uh razor well in, in terms of time scale and considering we have to shoot in march you know that's yeah. kind of not movable when would be a good time frame to start a campaign like that well i guess there's there's always the uh there's there's the sort of major thing with with any kickstarter campaign is that you've got to build a community of people who are interested in watching your film before you go and do it mm. now obviously you could decide that your kickstarter campaign is going to raise money for the shoot itself of which that means you know you've really 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 got to get your skates on because you've got to mm. uh discover and uh harness and uh, create that community who are interested in the film through social media, mm. um, then uh, you've got to build that up uh, and you've got to build it up organically. It can't just be built up. Um, you know, you, you, there's no amount of money that can create a community who's interested in the film. Mm. Um, and whereas with my, my free party film, it has a specific topic and a community built in. And it was really about me finding that with a, yeah. With a fiction film, it's a slightly different thing. So um, you've got to figure out where your audience is. Um, now, if we were, you know, if you were aiming on raising that money before March, then I would say, you know, start start straight away, yeah. finding what that community is, thinking about what the audience is. Now, that audience may be as a result of the casting that you do, because it may yeah. be that our lead two actors. <coughs> Are people who already have a community who would be very interested to find out about this upcoming feature film that they're going to be involved with it may be about the location you may go you may say people of this specific area would be really interested to see their local area on film uh, it may be about the theme of the the project so it may be yeah. brothers brothers with challenging relationships with each other yeah. it may be about you know siblings so it's about connecting the themes and the story and the project itself to the audience that it will eventually hope to have and then galvanizing that in a Facebook group or an Instagram group or however you feel comfortable gathering that community um, and then really giving yourself enough time to launch a campaign where you kind of don't have anything else to do because there's no doubt about it that mm. running a Kickstarter campaign is full time and it's full time really for the the month beforehand and the month afterwards depending on the kind of things that you're offering um as a reward so i would say if you are planning to do it for march then let's start now because yeah. you you can never have enough time because there's going to be a lot of planning figuring out what the right kind of community is that needs to be built 
and what community uh, would be interested in the project. But it's also possible that you think of it as, well, maybe once we know a little bit more about who's going to be in it casting wise, mm. um, you know, then you think of the Kickstarter campaign being there to finance the second bit of it, which obviously is the post-production, the finishing yeah. and etc. So it might be that you think, well, look, the shoot is the shoot, uh, but we we try to start talking about it now. But when we raise the money, we raise the money after the shoot. So the, mm. jo the, the joy of that is then we've got stills from the film. We've yeah, got yeah. the lead characters who will be tweeting about it, who will be posting pictures about it. On set even, you could be saying, look, you know, we're here today, can't wait to launch our campaign. Uh, you know, there's a number of ways where you could do it before or after and it would still be worth doing. Mm. Some some people raise money um, to get their film off the ground. Some people raise the money to finish their film and then others raise their money even to do like a festival run or to do a DVD release or all kinds of things. Yeah, so, yeah. so it really depends on those sorts of factors. Um, and I think in, in this particular case, probably knowing who your lead car characters are, your lead actors are, is probably going to be a real asset to yeah. launching the project on the outside world. Because at the moment, there's there's little, there's not so much to go on, you know? You, you've got a script, yeah. you've got a location, but there's not, not a lot for people to see what it might well become. And of course, you know, the DIY cinema cult audience is yeah. our is a you know we've got wonderful people on the facebook amazing group. supporters yeah i've uh, got amazing supporters and you know in a way these guys I'm, I'm sure will be very interested in in uh uh what we do because that in a way was the original setup of the uh the 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 the, the kind of podcast so, yeah. so isn't, it, isn't it funny how because when we set out it was for us altogether completely different film that hasn't, yeah. hasn't gone away at all it's still there kind of bubbling in the background but it's the kind of once the reality of things of the terrain kind of set itself out for us yeah it's you know other things have happened which is great i suppose isn't it for sure yeah Life, life's what happens when you're making other plans and absolutely <laughs> well i mean it's, it's it's also not like we're not doing stuff we're, we're definitely doing stuff but um so yeah i'm sure our listeners for diy cinema cult will be very excited to find out about the um progress of of um yeah of, well i will start I, yeah i will start posting on our, our facebook page very very soon It's great that we're both kind of so busy with our projects. We certainly have lots on the go that are quite kind of in motion. So tell us about what's been going on with Free Party. Yeah, I mean, it, I had a brilliant phone call just now uh, that really made me feel like this was all real now because mm. uh, obviously the campaign would, did very well and it was a, it was an amazing feeling to know that there's enough of a community out there who are interested in the film. And then I spent a good month after the campaign finished, which was sort of the middle of June, a good month just dealing with the, almost the fallout and the kind of leads and all of the different things from that. So, you know, the various people that have got in touch about contributions uh, in terms of the, the content of the film, potential collaborators uh, in terms of, you know, 
uh, people from on the production side, music composition side, music supervision, archive, mm. <clears throat> and and then also um, story points. So, you know, a great deal of, uh, I, I mean, today, for example, I've just done my 30th interview um, uh, just went up to speak to a fantastic character called Phil who was from Tonka Sound System integral part of the story um, and then I did have a brilliant moment where I got back and, and I've just given the green light to a specific uh, bunch to be the uh, to be the uh, music supervisors on the film and I had a great moment just now of talking to them about what tracks I'd like for the film and oh who they know and who they could who could kind of contact and I mean it you know it really did feel like uh, yeah. a, a moment of like ah oh, this is really happening I'm talking to people about what tracks I want on the film the the editor Andrew started last week so he's working away on on taking this vast amount of content that we've got and kind of trimming it down mm -hmm. I, I I spent a, about a month working from all of the rushes i listened to everything again which was no mean feat it took me two weeks just to <laughs> listen to everything all over again and i put everything into a chapter order so i now have the structure of the film basically down yeah and then and then i've given andrew the task of uh trimming all of that material down so that you know we have a sort of a watchable maybe who knows what length it'll be, but a kind of yeah, yeah. seven hour version of the film of which <laughs> then you reduce down and reduce down and reduce down. Um, so, yeah, great feeling today. Speaking to the editor, speaking to uh, the music supervisor, doing an interview for the film. Uh, and of course, I'm really looking forward to you coming on board, Mark, in September to help yeah. out with the whole visual styling of the film too. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be. I'm looking forward to jumping on board. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah, so it's exciting. And of course, you know, we have the Barcelona Festival. Yes. Uh, yep. Approaching in October. So yeah, it's kind of exciting times. Yeah. I'm. Um, so Barcelona, obviously, I'm very much hoping that the COVID situation means that we can physically go. Yeah. Um, Kickstarter and the festival will pay for me to go over, which is fabulous. Nice. All, be, all being, hopefully, there's no sudden surge of alpha variant, gamma variant, or whatever else. Yeah. Um, it's also my 50th birthday, so it'll be a great excuse to have a bit of a party. <laughs> um, and um, the idea with that is that it's really a shop window. Uh, I think probably the best I could hope for would be 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes of the film that we can screen mm. um the festival is very keen to see the project in process so yeah um the good thing about it is they're not expecting a finished film because I hate to say it but you wouldn't get one and the mm. last thing i want to do is show you know an hour and a half of there will be some archive here appearing on the screen yeah. or yeah. Uh, ignore this bit. It hasn't been graded appearing on the screen. Um, yeah. But if I can get 20 really good, 30 really good minutes that feel like, wow, that's the buzz of the film, uh, I'd be super happy. Um, get it up to a decent enough standard and then hopefully off the back of that, raise a bit more money um, because although the Kickstarter did brilliant, it, it won't quite see us through to a rough, to a finished rough cut. Mm. Um, but it, but to, you know, it's got us the way further than we expected. Um, yeah. 
but uh, yeah, hopefully off the back of that, get um, a little bit more money and uh, get myself, get it to the finish line for sort of February or March next year. Amazing. I think that's a really good approach to take a, a really um, polished 20 minutes, even 30 minutes uh, that leaves people wanting more and leaves kind of not much to the imagination. It, people can really see what the film is going to be about and want to see the whole finished thing rather than having a work in progress that where you can see the scaffold and all the, all yeah. the paint drying in the background. And, you know, you, you want to see, you want to kind of be thrilled by it really, uh, all, all singing, all dancing. So I think, I think that's a really good approach. I mean, in a way, I think uh, it's almost the only thing we can do because um, if I try to do the whole thing, I'll for sure fall uh, because mm. we're talking about an hour and a half or hour 45. My editor today was talking about how um, this could easily be a three-part series. You know, it's so so much, such a wealth of yeah. material there. And I'm still shooting interviews. I'm still plugging in gaps. I'm still, you know, working. So, um, yeah, I, there's a great deal of stuff. But if I try to spread the workload that we've got, because we've only got two and a half months left to, to get it yeah. there. If I tried to finish the whole thing, it would be spread far too thinly. So the key is work on the bits that we know are going to be really great to watch, whet the appetite, and hopefully someone comes along and says, <laughs> here's a few more quid, we love this, let's get it finished, you know, so, and keeping it DIY. I mean, what I will say that's been very interesting is I've had uh, multiple approaches now by, let's should, should we say, traditional broadcasters. Um, right which uh, sounds very flattering, feels very flattering. Uh, but they all gave me the clear indication that should they come on board, I would really have to be giving over a, quite a mm -hmm. large amount of authority or authorial editorial mm. control. Yeah. So albeit quite exciting when someone calls up and says, oh, I'm blah, blah from the from the burr 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 or the <laughs> blah blah from the duh channel yeah uh and you think wow here we go we were very interested in your project it looks great um we've been thinking of a similar project too and uh, perhaps we could see your rushes and perhaps we could yeah now all of this is you know very flattering and they've you know they've seen the potential of the project uh but i think they have their uh, their own project in their mind and mind and they're hoping i've already shot the rushes for it basically it sounds like it It sounds like they've got a project and they kind of want to swallow you up and just digest yeah. you into their thing rather yeah than, yeah which is not how i've uh sold the concept of the film to the contributors i think it would be yes absolutely disingenuous uh that being said i'm you know all for the right kind of partnership because it's a huge thing to release a feature documentary yeah. into the world and uh, i would be very unlikely to release it without any kind of partnership but uh, i have to make sure that diy principle is still there to the core you know diy forever mark diy, DIY forever. forever keep it yeah. diy absolutely mate absolutely. yeah you are listening to the debut feature film podcast this is diy cinema cult diy cinema cult is suddenly very very busy in yeah. terms of planning and film production at the moment, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite good to see. It is, it is. Well, it, I think that uh, there's no doubt that 
something about the urge to just start, which is what one of the principles that we've we've banged on about back in the day. Yeah. Just just starting a project, which I think is even in our little opening gambit intro sequence. Yeah. Um, it does work. The main thing is the first thing is, you know, in the inception of the idea. What what is the idea? Now, you know, we all have ideas about where that comes from, who can say, but the idea comes, I'm going to sound like David Lynch now, you put the, you put the fishing rod into the fish and you catch a little fish and you see you fall in love with the fish. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then that idea, you go, okay, well, this is the one, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. And hopefully you have collaborators around you that are excited about it as well. And then usually if you go the traditional way you then have to go and ask permission from somebody else to start that idea yeah and they either if they know you and you've got a track record great they'll go yeah i love your stuff you're a safe pair of hands here's some money you go and make your fish that you've caught mm. but if not or if you're outside the system or you want to do something that doesn't really gel with the, the way the system works then you've got no other choice because basically you, you've either got to do it yourself, you've got to just start, or it won't happen. Nobody mm. is there going to go, I see the potential in you, young man or young woman, or old man or old woman, and you are the person who deserves to make your project. This is not going to happen. Nobody no. will do it. And weirdly, we, we kind of got that lesson from Hadi back in the day, didn't we? We got we that. We did. And uh, so in some ways we have now started to follow that principle. Yeah. And it's funny, I got very recently, a couple of weeks ago, I, I got my final rejection through for a film festival for The Chewing Gun Man, which, oh. which I sent out to a whole bunch of festivals. I was very optimistic about it and got rejected from for every single one of them. Yeah. Um, but... Um, and it's funny when I looked at the list, I hadn't realized I had applied to quite a few and all, all of them just turned me down. And, but in the end, it doesn't matter because the success was that it got broadcast on, on, on Sky and it's still on, it's still on Sky. So in, in a way that the film festivals um, rejections, you know, I don't, I'd almost completely forgotten about, but it just goes to show that, you know, not having that validation from certain places, which you think, are, are, are should be giving you validation if you just go ahead and do it anyway yeah. you'll find a way to find your audience in the end you know yeah for sure and i mean i think if your if your connection to the subject matter is is deep and honest then one hopes that other people's connection to that subject matter will also be there yeah now, of course of course you know some people will go, oh, that's perfect. Now that means I can make my film about uh, my stamp collection. Brilliant. Well, yeah. maybe that is the case, but maybe that would be a great film because you just need to connect to other people who care about stamps deeply enough. Yeah. And then you will, and if you really, really love that thing, you really love that subject matter, you will uh, make something interesting, I'm sure. Um so it is it is definitely about that we we've spent so long having to go through the kind of filtered gate the the gatekeepers who yeah. allow allow us to make our projects but um you know those that that is an ever dwindling gate 
and they, yes. it's only opened for less and less people. So the key is just do it, just get started, and then it is a thing, and then it's real in other people's eyes. Yeah. And if you've put passion into it, then hopefully people can also see that. People and this, will take notice. Yeah, and there's certainly a degree of, well, you've got to still do things professionally. You've still got to have some skill or some talent or all of that, you know. Um, but um, the main the main thing is that, you know, that inception of the idea, the passion to make it work, to connect with that audience and um, just getting started in some way. Yeah, well, going back to the idea of just starting, the idea of just start. Similar to the chewing gum man, your free party, when it, when it started out, it was a very different animal to what it's become. Yeah. And the whole reason why you started it, I, I imagine, is pretty very much like me with the chewing gum man. I just wanted something to be doing. I just wanted yes. to start making a film, not ask for permission and maybe make a film in four months. I wanted to start that day yes. and, just, and just have it in my head and... And then, you know, if you decide to make a film off your own bat starting right now, then you're being the filmmaker from from Dot and you are thinking about the film, you're figuring out how you're going to do it, uh, you're thinking about how you want to, you know, how, you know, how you want the film to look finally. And you are suddenly in that mode. You, you're not that you, you don't have your hand out kind of asking for money, asking for, for, for permission. You're the one forcing it through and doing it. And I think that you know, free parties are amazing example of that. You know, Chewing Gum Man's a good example of that. I wanted to make a little mini documentary about about that, or just a little mini film about the idea of just starting. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sticking up on YouTube because I've been trying to bit, I've been trying to think of idea of, of films as well to do in my YouTube channel uh, mm. to help build up a free old man some kind of audience on a YouTube channel as well because that's where we will be releasing it on YouTube and on Vimeo. So yeah. But I don't. I don't want to be. You know, I'm. I'm trying to find ways of making little nuggets and little documentaries that feel comfortable with my style of filmmaking, rather than being a YouTube yeah. person. Because you know, you see so many YouTubers, and it's a world that I can't quite keep in step with. Um, but you know, I found. I found a great guy. Have you watched any Van Neistat videos? Do you know Van Neistat? Uh, Van Neistat, Van yeah. Neistat, it rings a bell. His brother Casey, Casey. Oh Neistat. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the biggest YouTuber in the world? Yes, basically. right. So, so, so them say Van Neistat is his older brother, who's maybe right. probably about our age, or maybe a little bit older. Um, Casey Knight. So him, him and his brother started out making uh, just videos before YouTube. They were making videos of just their lives, of each other, of things, silly animations. Uh, whatever they were just making mm. videos and then they got uh they somehow cobbled it all together and and pitched hbo and they got a hbo series this is back in maybe mid 90s or something like that and yeah. it was called it was called the Neistat brothers and they were kind of like a reality pre-reality tv reality show and and then Casey Neistat started making YouTube videos. He becomes the world's biggest YouTuber. Yeah. But his, his brother kind of just doesn't really, he kind of, 
in, they're, they're both at heart very analog and video they love little video cameras they love shooting stuff stop motion animation yeah uh, but casey nice that's his very kind of slick youtube looks amazing he lives this amazing life in new york yeah. he's got a studio that to die for in, the, yeah. in manhattan somewhere and he just lived this awesome life but his brother his older brother van has just started a youtube channel you can tell that casey's gone mate I, yeah. you, could, you could earn some bucks. Just yeah. let, let I'll me big you, you up. Yeah, I'll, I'll big, big you up. up. I'll big you up, and I'll, I'll get people watching your channel. And it's brilliant because it's it's so beautifully done. Because he, he's done it. He's done it in a very documentary, old school way. He's not a YouTuber. He doesn't watch YouTube, so mm. his films look very different on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, good. He, yeah. He's the guy who I'm thinking like, ah, something like that, where you can just do your own thing, but somehow yeah. fit it into that framework and I so I'm yeah. trying to think of little nuggets of things I can make almost in the build up to old man as in the you know how it gets made how we put things together us doing DIY cinema cult just little videos and then seeing if that ha gets any kind of traction but yeah. um but I would recommend watch uh, and to our listeners as well watch fan nice that and there's one video I think it's called fantasy fantasy fixing which is I think it's one of his first videos which is like the best example of his films because he kind right. of got, he kind of looks back on because he uh, and Casey Neistat were kind of they're New Yorkers and they're kind of linked into like a kind of New York art crowd like mm. they, they were they were really good mates with the Safdie brothers you know who did like those movies and yeah. I think I think Casey Neistat even produced one or two of their early movies <clears throat> but also the artist Tom Sachs who's like this great kind of he's very hands-on DIY does these amazing uh you know art installations but all kind of handmade stuff out of hardware store materials and and they and and, and I think Van Neistat used to work as a kind of fix-it builder guy for, for ah. Tom Sachs so that's why he's very handy so all yeah. of his films are very kind of handmade they're about making stuff and but yeah, fantasy. I think it's called fantasy fixing. I think that's the first one you should check out. You, you don't want to get that one wrong, do you? Fantasy fixing. <laughs> fantasy, fantasy fisting. <laughs> I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna say it, but you just had to say it. Didn't check you? out fantasy fisting, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You really advertising that on DIY cinema? Well, so I guess it, so I guess it's DIY cinema. Yeah, I guess it's DIY. So basically, cinema. I want to build up my YouTube channel to be like fantasy fisting. And <laughs> you know how many followers as that gets me well you know it's definitely diy let's put it that way <laughs> <laughs> nobody else is going to take part <laughs> um, uh, i mean is that, it does sound like a really good idea i think it's interesting that casey neistat guy he's almost set the template for what a youtuber does yes and so you know part of what a youtuber is like all like all media forms is to figure out how to um maximize the uh the platform that they're on so you know let's face it the seven inch single rubbish way to listen to music right but what it did it was it invented a medium the, the three minute pop song yeah and we've all fallen in love with with many many three minute pop songs the 12 inch was the uh perfect place for dance music because it was 10 minutes long and yeah. it was sounded good and you could have a big sleeve and you could mix it and you could physically you know muck around with it with your hand to dj or scratch or whatever you did so those were the sort of 
the the boundaries of the medium in some way the shape of the record this the length you could put the stuff on youtube kind of has a bunch of boundaries it has ads that pop up from time to time so you've got to be aware of well what are the ads if you want to use it to monetize which is what a lot of people hope to do with youtube well now there are a thousand and one uh youtubers telling you how to make money on youtube mm. so it becomes a kind of a, a a platform about doing well on the platform um and in some ways i suppose this has always been the case you know our one of our favorite uh the klf book about how to uh make a pop record you know what's it was it called the classic the uh, klf the, ma uh, the, the manual the manual you know yeah. again in a way that was the kind of you know it was like hacking the system or mm. learning about the, the sort of boundaries of the medium the medium was pop music and the klf were there to sort of tell you how to get through it although you know it was fabulously transgressive and subversive in its kind of intent you know breaking the system the the youtube platform has a bunch of rules the mm. rules are there to be in some ways um you know uh gamed uh the only interesting thing now is that the youtube platform is obviously largely driven the popularity of things that appear on youtube is not driven by the same rules that seven inch singles were or even that cinema was or what have you it's driven by the rules that, that are created uh or as a result of the ai of the of the yeah. algorithm the algorithm which basically says some people seem to engage with this video a lot i'll put that to the top of the recommended list mm -hmm. Some people watch this video all the way to the end. I'll put that to the top of the recommendation list. Uh, some people seem to subscribe to this channel. And so I'll put that to the top of the the uh, uh, recommended list. Uh, some people watch this person's content over and over and over again. I'll put that to the top of the recommendations list. So yeah. it has a bunch of rules. And... Um, that's not to say that things that list that exist outside those rules don't have value because of course they do and you know in the same way that you'll pick up an obscure seven inch and you think wow this is the best thing i've ever heard but nobody heard it because yeah. it because for whatever reason it wasn't marketed or it didn't fulfill the criteria of a classic three minute pop song um the same on youtube there's a, there's loads of brilliant stuff up there so i guess it's that tension between is the platform going to help uh push your plans forward as in you know mm. do you do you want it to be successful in the youtube way which is you get recommended you get recommended you get mm -hmm. recommended or are you happy for it to be you know just a place to um to sort of store content that maybe really probably would be better off on a on a um you know on a short film site or or what have you yeah. and you know there is platforms obviously dedicated to short form media with a very different slant so now nowness for example obviously takes yeah. from places that that is um more artistic and you know has a more um whatever dance or animation or or you know yeah. often kind of fashion and things like that and i'm sure there are other places for narrative and other places for um comedy yeah. and the like yeah absolutely there seems to be this weird kind of 
you, a, a kind of paradox that you can't ignore about YouTube, which is that, you know, I look about on YouTube and I don't see many people like us who are filmmakers uh, uh, kind of describing their process and and then showing their, their, their finished results. It tends to be people who are telling you how to do it. Uh, tutorials, yeah. Tutorials. tutorials. And and that's and because and that is because that's because what people will go to YouTube to watch. They go to YouTube to watch what how do I make film? How do I use this camera? How do I light a scene? Yeah. How do I make money on YouTube? How do I become a film entrepreneur? There's all these horrible things about people wanting yeah. to make really quick money within the film industry in inverted commas, but it's it's you know, and I don't see anything many people doing what I want to do with it, which probably means that I won't have massive success with it but yeah. what i do want to do is i want to because when i started using youtube it literally was just a place to dump things i'd done yeah. and when then i started not... using youtube man i've <laughs> been <laughs> like, using youtube for so long man <laughs> when i was first on the tube yeah oh that first oh. hit that first hit a tube you just want to first keep coming just... back for more man starts with cat videos then playing the piano and then next thing i know I'm oh. watching Werner Herzog documentaries. Yeah, and, and then he's when he starts to get the hit of like children opening oh. their Christmas presents. Oh, oh I just... my god! Oh. <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is, I'm not. I don't. I kind of know when I first. Yeah, when I first died doing YouTube. <laughs> when I first died I, I, on I the gonna, tube, I was kind of dumping stuff on there and not following it up. Not kind of they don't yeah. on a plan. It was just like here's some stuff and then just yeah. walk away. And then so now I'm thinking, well, what if I did have some kind of plan? And it's not even that I, I have any kind of unrealistic plan of going, right, I'm going to have thousands of subscribers by the time Old Man comes out. That's definitely not going to happen. But even if post Old Man, if people came to Old Man and found it on YouTube, then I would have a channel that had lots of other stuff, you know, making off stuff, uh, you know, and other, other bits and pieces. Yeah. That will kind of keep them. And then maybe from post old man an audience would grow which could help us further on down the line so it's kind yeah. of playing it's playing a long game it's a very youtube's a very difficult thing when you're an active filmmaker because it's um it's a tool you kind of like you say there's other things out there maybe more useful beneficial things out there but still you can't beat the audience that is the potential audience that is youtube so it's kind of finding yeah. your own way to play it and still feel like you're not you're not sidelining what you really want to do, which is to make your films. One, one thing that I've uh, discovered on YouTube, which um, is sort of, you know, been really interesting for the kids in a way but i find kind of fascinating is um a uh filmmaker i don't know if you describe her as a filmmaker but she's a mathematician musician animator artist person called vi Hart. i don't know if you've come across vi Hart. Oh, no. uh, and it really i mean it's been for like 10 15 years <laughs> since since she was probably quite young since she was probably you know 17 or 16 and now I think she works for, I don't know, Microsoft or something, you know. Um, but she was a maths genius, prodigy, whatever. And her films are often about Pythagoras or pi or right. um, 
you know, musical harmony theory or whatever. But they're yeah. done in a very um, sort of, you know, sort of interesting kind of hand-drawn kind of way. So okay. they're, they're often, you know, almost like a POV of her hands drawing on a, on a, on a sketch pad, you know. Um, so she'll explain very complicated concepts like, um, you know, pie or uh my my favorite my kid's favorite is um the hexaflexagon which is this piece of paper you can fold inside out forever and ever and ever um she explains a quite complex geometry and music as about completely um just as a sort of for 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 whatever reason just because it's just in her head and she's got to get it out yeah um yeah. and she's got a very simple charming style and she has got a million and a half subscribers Wow. And it's in a way, it's the YouTube that we want out more of, and less of the how to how to tell you how to get a million subscribers. Yeah, it yeah. is just original and ingenious content. I hate the word content, but it's ingenious and original, and it's its own thing. It's it's completely yeah. its own thing. It doesn't rely on the structure of of anything outside of it. It's just her, in, in the, and the style of it is her. It's not th something I would do. It's not something that I would aspire to do. It's just interesting and intriguing because she's just got this little world. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, that's what you hope YouTube or the likes can create, is in a platform for originality, ingenuity. Um, now, I have no idea if she actually makes a living out of any of her videos because, I mean, she probably doesn't need to. She's a, a mm. math genius. Um, she makes films about the roadmap. I'm looking at them here. Roadmap to pandemic resilience, like literally just math theory about how you you gain, um, you know, a critical mass of of uh, of uh, inoculations. And then the next one she'll do is something about pie or something yeah. um, about fractals. And yeah. uh, and she has got, yeah, 1.3 million subscribers and, you know, her average viewing is something like 600,000 views. So that's what you hope the democratization yeah. of media forms and film platforms can create. Uh, so, so maybe that we, we can plan to get 1.3 million subscribers by next March. That'll be handy, yeah. wouldn't it? Well, do you know, I still make. Up, doesn't it? We don't even have a YouTube channel, do we not? <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, I have st I have stuck some of our one or two of our old interviews, like little clips of them, up on oh, yeah. up on YouTube. So where, no, where, where's our one then? Where's your Where's your one then? Blank page rewrite. Yeah, so that was one I just done recently, a little video. Oh look, look at this. It's yeah, you sitting. It's you sitting down. But I see. I've never seen these things. Well, I've just—I literally just posted it before the weekend. And uh, what? Tell me, tell me about that because so, that's quite so, an idea. so the so the idea is, um, yeah. So, like I said, I'm trying to think of little documentary nuggets I can make about the process we're going through to get old man to the screen. Yeah. And the first thing I had to do once we kind of, once I kind of put a stake in the ground about the location, was do a complete rewrite. And and what I decided to do was do a blank page rewrite, which was actually from you know 
totally disregarding the previous draft, starting with a blank page instead of working with the previous text and, and kind of re-editing it or, or just adding, adding bits here and there, adjusting kind of lines and action lines, is actually starting again with a blank page. And what that does to your mind, you know, you literally start again from scratch and a lot, a lot of the pieces from the previous draft can go into, mm. back into it, but at least you're retyping it, you're readjusting it, and you're making sure that nothing um, goes back onto the page that doesn't serve the new mm. draft. Because ch with choosing that location and deciding to, <clears throat> to go for it, a couple of other things kind of began to, to, to come to the surface about the themes and, and the characters. So I wanted to do a rewrite where I, I just made sure I kind of filtered, you know, all the previous drafts uh, again, and just made sure that this draft would be, would be kind of more succinct and, and more mm. kind of together. And um, so I thought I'd do a quick video about that because then it kind of gets my thoughts about the process uh, clear in my head, you know, mm. as well. And, and did you get results from that? As in, what was the results of starting with a blank page on the script? It's kind of. I'm kind of still in the process now. I'm kind of half. I'm episode three i'm at now and mm. it does it just makes it gives you a real sense of clarity you don't feel tied down to your previous drafts um you feel quite freer it's quite scary again starting with a blank page and it feels mm. like a lot of work but then when you start to write you realize that you've done all of the work before and it you know all it just makes it all all quicker easier and um and it, it makes for a better draft as well and, and a better script and um, mm. it makes you think about every line as well reassess it because sometimes you'll read a draft and you'll just be like oh you'll you'll just read a whole page and not kind of come up with any notes that you want to change just because you're you, you're used to reading that page as it is you're used to reading yeah. that scene and you go oh yeah that's fine but you're not really being super critical in the way that you probably should be whereas starting with a blank page you're going right does that line really makes sense doesn't need to be there mm. is that right for the character to say that all of those things go through your mind Yeah, I mean, I think what I've also started to notice a little bit because I'm going through the process of uh, trimming down rushes. Um, yeah. And um, the the interesting thing about that is you're so led by the first thing that you see um, that, for, for example, what I've been doing is it's putting everything into different chapters. So literally putting all of the rushes that mention a specific subject into one timeline where I can play that back and I can listen to uh, the literally everything everybody says about a specific thing. And uh, it has loads of advantages because obviously you can kind of get a sense of well, where is the story amongst this pool, but it's a, a pool that is on a specific theme or is on a specific story event. But there's still a weird thing that happens because we're such kind of storytelling animals that if you put it on a timeline and you listen from start to finish, there's always still this feeling of like, well, the thing at the start kind of needs to stay and it kind of mm. informs everything that comes after that. So, you know, I, I was doing some editing yesterday and um, I had to get over that. I had to quite quickly go, yeah, those first minute, that just doesn't mean anything. But there was always a feeling of like, well, the order that's here should sort of remain. 
and i had to yeah. really force myself out of that to start to move things around um and uh, some some tools enable you to filter that that information in different ways and um you know i'd kind of like to find more ways to do that as in rather than it be a linear timeline as in and in the script obviously it's this this is the first line this is the last line yeah on a, on a timeline it's this is the first frame and this is the last frame well there are some tools that enable you to slice and dice that in different ways so you could say okay let's look at all of those clips um by length or let's yeah. look at all of those clips by um clip name or let's look at all those clips by uh, all kinds of other criteria and in some ways it's like well just breaking yourself out of the linearity of thinking yeah. which is this is this starts here this ends here um it's sometimes really necessary to sort of shake yeah, yeah. up your understanding particularly when you're thinking about story I noticed um, that uh, one of our contributors, uh, Prano Bailey Bond, has uh, not only had her film at Sundance, but it's <clears> just <throat> all over the newspapers at the moment. Have you seen? Abs absolutely smashing it. She's all over everything at the moment, I think. Yeah. Mark Mark Kermode thinks she's the best thing since sliced bread, quite yeah. rightfully, and there you go. I know. Isn't it amazing? So I think that she, she was in The Guardian the other day as a sort of whole feature article about her not just about her but her, about her in reference her film in reference to film censorship as a general kind of theme which i thought was um yeah amazing you know when you're being used as a kind of cipher for the era or for yeah. understanding a specific yeah, it's fantastic so so it's kind of exciting to see these people who've been on the show uh, yes go off into the world and do amazing things <laughs> You are listening to DIY Cinema Cult. All right, listeners, we'll keep an eye on the Facebook page. We will be updating you with any free party stuff or shortly as well, uh, old man. Yeah. yeah, shenanigans. But um, yeah, keep an eye on the YouTube channel, which we've just YouTube discovered. YouTube channel, Mark Hardman. That's Mark with a C. Yeah, have a look. I'll, I'm, I'm going to bitch. Obviously, I'm not a very prolific YouTuber, as we've just kind of highlighted the fact that being a YouTuber is is a full time job that I yeah. don't have. Yeah. Uh, but you know, every every couple of weeks, probably I'll be doing little kind of videos, just trying trying to shed a little light on the process of getting old man. I'm going to have a little binge now. I'm going to have a little little YouTube binge. Uh, <laughs> and I hope by by binging on your uh, your YouTube channel, I discover how to do three point lighting. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy my lots, Aaron. You can buy my lots. <laughs> discount, mates. Discount. <laughs> Twenty percent off the Mark Hardman <laughs> cinema lot pack. Yes. <laughs>
<laughs> Can I just say to our listeners, DIY Cinema Cult would never try and sell you LUTs. And that is a promise we no. will keep. You'll get them for free if you subscribe. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, subscribe to just buy this PDF for $5. Yeah, exactly. This tutorial series, which is a <laughs> password link to my Patreon and uh, gives you access to this special content. I'm sorry. Yeah, listeners, we have no paywall at DIY Cinema Cult. <laughs> everything you, we know you're hearing for free. And yep. if it's not enough, then we're sorry. We're just not that clever yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. We haven't watched enough YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs>